Uh, we're looking at the condemnation of the false prophets, uh, 23 to 32. Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God far off? Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who are prophesying falsely in my name, saying, I had a dream, I had a dream. How long? Is there anything in the hearts of the prophets who prophesy falsehood, even these prophets of the deception of their own heart, who intend to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which they relate to one another, just as their fathers forgot my name because of Baal? The prophet who has a dream may relate his dream, but let him who has my word speak my word in truth. What does straw have in common with grain, declares the Lord. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that shatters a rock? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from each other. Behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare the Lord declares. Behold, I am against those who have prophesied false dreams, declares the Lord, and related them and led my people astray by their falsehoods and reckless boasting. Yet I did not send them or command them, nor do they furnish this people the slightest benefit, declares the Lord. Can you tell in 23 and 24 what these false prophets were imagining? God can't see them. Yeah, they thought they were getting by with this. God's not paying attention. Yeah, you know, they hide it from other people. They think they hide it from God. And he says, do you think I'm just a... Uh, a God far off. You think I can't see where you're hiding? You think I can't see what you're really doing? How could we ever think we would fool God? How could we ever think we could hide something from God? God knew exactly what was going on with them. He says, don't I fill the heavens and the earth? Where could you go to get away from God? You know, sometimes I make the point about Adam and Eve. Remember where they were trying to hide from God? Where? Among the trees in the garden. And I make the point of all things. If you're going to try to hide from God, don't do it in his garden. But then where would you try to hide from God then? <laughs> you know, on his earth? You know, in his uh, universe? Uh, you're going to have a hard time if you're going to find a place to hide from God. Because it all happens to be his. And uh, he fills heaven and earth. So never think you're getting by with something. I do think there's a tendency to think, if I hide it from people, God won't know. Well, hiding it from people is one thing, though I must say we're never quite as successful at that one as we think we are. But, but you know, hiding from God, never. So, don't think you're getting by with it, false prophets. Now, can you tell what the false prophets seem to have this real thing for? Dreams. Oh, I had a dream. Man, I dreamed this, I dreamed that, I dreamed the other thing. Now, what do you think about the prophets telling you all about their dreams? Exactly. It's awfully easy to say. Oh, I dreamed this thing. Who can refute it? Maybe you didn't dream it at all. Maybe you just made that. Maybe the dream doesn't mean anything. You know, but it's hard to say that it's not. Years and years ago, before most of your times, 
Um, there was a, a popular radio and television preacher, mostly television, I guess, uh, named Oral Roberts. And uh, he had this vision. A 90-foot Jesus came to him and told him that either he raised $7 million for this hospital by such and such a time, or else God was, Jesus was going to kill him. It's more or less like that. Don't ask me for the details, but that's basically the, the thing. And uh, actually, he did raise it. You know, it worked. But it's like, hmm. You know, that's just awfully easy to say. You know, I mean, how do you know whether there was a 90-foot Jesus that came to Oral Roberts? Well, I have actually a pretty good idea about that one. But uh, it would be a hard thing to confirm if you were trying to, uh, to say it that way. You know, actually, it looked to me like these dreams, A, they came from their own hearts, their own minds, verse 26, and, and B, from something he says in 27 and something he says a little bit later on also, it looks to me like a lot of times they were just borrowing the latest, hottest oracle from each other. You know, oh, somebody else said this and they come up with it. I see that a lot in Brazil. In Brazil, there's a lot of false prophets. They claim to have, you know, dreams and revelations from God, but really they steal them from each other. One person comes up with something that works and everybody else latches onto it. You know, that was happening a lot too. They just invented their messages. They didn't come from God. I love verse 28. The prophet who has a dream may relate his dream, but let him who has my word speak my word in truth. <laughs> what does straw have in common with grain? Now, do you see what he's saying? Uh, well, if you got a dream, okay, tell your dream. Now, if you have to have my word, oh, that's different. Now, tell, tell my word. See, there's no real relationship between the dream and God's word. It says about like the difference between straw and grain. What's the difference between straw and grain? You keep one, you burn the other. Yeah, and you, what do you do with the grain? Makes it better. Yeah, there's not a lot of food value in the straw. You know? <laughs> But, yeah, it's not going to help you a whole lot, you know, try eating a bowl of straw. Uh, no, better to eat the grain. He said, you know, the dreams are like the straw. They're not going to feed your soul one little bit. The grain is my word. That's what you need. So all these dreams they keep harping on, you can just forget about those things. People today do the very same thing. They'll come up with dreams and visions and people will say, the Lord revealed this to me. You know, I remember uh, probably, I don't know, it was a long time ago, maybe 30 years ago. I, uh, I went to a guy's house. He contacted me. He'd seen maybe a newspaper article I'd written about the Bible and he was interested in talking. So I went out to his house. It was a really odd house. This was a mostly underground house. And you know, there are some underground houses, but this one, it was, it was weird. You could see all the way through the house. There were, the walls were like, you know, maybe uh, not even waist high. And then they had like spindles or, you know, just little like railing, you know, decorative. So you could basically see all the way through the house, except for the bathroom. The bathroom was closed off, but everything else was basically open. And so, you know, I sat down and I mentioned that this was, you know, I had not been in an underground house before. He said, well, this is God's house. I said, oh, okay. So he started telling me a story that um, 
You know, he had been living in a certain place and God came to him and spoke to him and told him that he was supposed to move. He was supposed to build a house on the side of a mountain. And, you know, he started telling me this and then, then God told him that he was supposed to build the house without walls. And uh, then he was in financial trouble and God bailed him out and gave him the money. It was this. It was, so he says, this is God's house. You know, I didn't bother to ask him if God had made a special exception for the bathroom or not. But, uh, you know, it's like, uh, wow. I didn't believe it. I don't think it was God that told him to build a house without walls or anything like that. You know, he certainly didn't understand the truth about much of anything biblically because we talked about several things and he completely misinterpreted all kinds of stuff in the Bible. But people will say that. This is God telling me this. And some people will follow it. You know, you get a, in Brazil especially, but even here in the U.S., you get a really good talker saying, hey, God revealed this to me. God revealed that to me. People are looking for some way of having a connection with God, especially if you told them something you really like instead of some of these words in the Bible that sometimes contradict what you want. And so that's what was going on here. He says... Is not my word like fire, verse 29, and like a hammer which shatters a rock. God's word burns away falsehood and smashes delusions. It's like a sledgehammer. It, it'll crush, it'll burn, it'll convict. Now the false prophets, you know, they were more like a reassuring pat on the back. You know, a, a nice hug. <laughs> that was their message. God's word is more like pulverizing blows from a jackhammer. You know, it'll really tear things up if it's not what God wants it to be. So what are we looking for? We're looking for a nice fluffy message from, from quote-unquote God that we really feel good about ourselves and we just really are happy, or are we looking for something that's really going to shake us up? Right. Do you think the same thing that happens in uh, Acts 5 uh, with Gamaliel? Do you think that happens today when groups, you know, rise up, but then they are not of God and they fade away? Do you think that happens a lot? Okay. What are you assuming about Gamaliel in that? Are you thinking that what Gamaliel said was true? Well, he, he talked about how, um, you know, he said there was a group that rose up claiming to be something, and then they fell away. But if these are from God, then you will not be able to overcome them and you will find yourself fighting. The half of what he said that you can't stop God is correct. The half that he said where if it's not from God, you know, it's always going to be destroyed. No. Now, are there sometimes that things that are not from God flame out quick? Yeah, of course. We know all kinds of things not from God that last for a short time and then they're gone. And he pointed out some of those. Are there things that are not from God that have lasted for a long, 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 long time? Of course. There's all kinds of world religions that have lasted for centuries, even millennia, that aren't true. So it's really not true that if it's not from God, you know it's just going to you know, flame out. It happened that what Gamaliel said was convenient. And it got the apostles off the hook, but he wasn't inspired by God in that. Yes. Back to the dreams. Uh, there's a reason why Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel had them and tell them what the dream was before they interpreted it when he asked them. To <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
It's, uh, you know, interpreting dreams is pretty easy. You know, you tell me a dream, I'll tell you what it means. I ain't problem with that. Now, you want me to tell you what the dream was first? That's a different matter. <laughs> and that is what Nebuchadnezzar figured out. God rarely ever communicated by dreams. In fact, I can only think of two dream interpreters from God in the whole Bible. Maybe there were more. And there were certainly some more times God communicated by dreams, but not many. Who were the two big dream interpreters? Joseph and Daniel. And a few other times God would speak in a dream. But that wasn't the most common way God would speak. And certainly today we know we have the completed revelation. I'm not expecting God to tell me anything different today than what he's already revealed, right? Yeah, what do you tell people when they say, well, God told me this, he told me the dream last night? What I would say is, how do you know it was God? Who was I talking to just the other day? I can't remember. I've heard this before. But um, I'm trying to remember exactly how this was. Somebody had, uh, you know, gotten something that they said this was God's image or something that had come. And the person that was looking at it said, oh, no, that's Satan. He <laughs> <laughs> said, who you never? And then stopped. You've never seen Satan. Well, they've never seen God. You know, the person says, well, God, it was God's voice. Tell me how you know. You ever heard him talk? You ever know what his voice sounds like? How do you know it was God? Maybe it was Satan. I got as much right to say it was Satan as you had to say it was God. Well, I just know I felt it. Well, just what, did God, what does God feel like? You know, what does he make you feel like? That's back to the dream business here. It's not God's message. And why is it always something really positive and encouraging? <laughs> Even when people are in sin. Chris? I think one of the simplest ways is just asking, if, first of all, if they believe the Bible, then it says, you know, the apostles even said, though we are an angel from heaven tell you anything other, let it be accursed. So the way I usually answer that is, that's fine. You know, if you heard from a spirit or an angel, that's fine. As long as they didn't say anything other than what the you know what you were taught. Mm -hmm. And if they said what you're taught, why do we need it? And if they said something else, let it be accursed. So there you go. Either side. If you want to hear them all day long, that's fine. But <laughs> you know, you got it here. There's no other answer. Amen. Exactly. Yeah, very good way of uh, defining that. Exactly. So you don't have to get into the argument of whether it was or wasn't. Yes. That's another thing that you can't prove to them as easily as you can say, well, that's fine as long as it doesn't contradict. Good point. Although sometimes it's helpful for them to stop and reflect on the fact they can't prove it either. Yes. You know. But yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, the bottom line is, if it's anything other than what God has revealed, it isn't true. Because God has given us the complete and final revelation according to what he said. And, uh, you know, you just have lots of things like that. I was listening to somebody just the other day, I can't remember who it was, that was talking about, uh, you know, having had, uh, having uh, someone who had written a book 
about one of these near-death experiences. And a lot of times in these experiences, people have some kind of communication with God and they go to heaven and, you know, come back. Because, you know, some people assume this is not a near-death experience. This is sort of a right-after-death experience and then they come back to life. And uh, this person had been really not a very good person and immoral and all that. And they, quote-unquote, died. They went to heaven. And then they came back. And they told all about it. What a privilege. What a privilege. But isn't it interesting that all the people seem to always go to heaven in these experiences? (laughs) Even the ones who were really raunchy people. That makes me wonder about that. I mean, from everything we know in the Bible, if somebody's not serving the Lord faithfully and they died... Would they go to heaven? So if they tell me about this experience and it contradicts what the Bible says, my guess is they probably didn't die and they probably dreamed it or however that was. But if somebody wasn't serving the Lord faithfully and they died, they sure didn't go to heaven. From everything the Bible says, I trust what the Lord said. Trying to ease their conscience then, probably. Well, who knows? Yeah, and it may be that right before you die, you always have a feeling of bliss or something. I don't know. Who knows what you feel right before you die? Most of us have never done that. I'll let you know. (laughs) Now, look at how he keeps saying, I am against the prophets. Notice verse uh, 30, who steal my words from each other. They were plagiarizing each other's prophecies, more or less to fulfill the orders for their customers. You know, so they would repeat some second-hand message from somebody else and pass it off as the word of God. Look again at 31. Behold, I'm against the prophets. Look at verse 32. Behold, I'm against those who prophesy their dreams. Three times, I'm against, I'm against, I'm against. God does not want these people prophesying. They were using their tongues, verse 31, to say the Lord declares. They were claiming that this is from God is really a serious matter. You know, um, what would would happen if uh, maybe somebody impersonated the the uh, president and uh, gave an order to maybe the, the commander of the army or something? Whoa, man, they'd be court martialed and whatever. You know, you can't do that. You have no business ever giving a message in the name of an authority figure without his authorization. That would be a very serious breach. That's what they're doing. They're saying the Lord tells you this when the Lord had nothing to do with it. We have to be very careful about that. Don't We've got to be very careful. We never say this is what the Lord said when it's not what he said. So, Think about those things. Um, I think that's what I've got so far. The verse 32. Comments and questions through verse 32. Leanne. I think it's just... Leanne. Um, I talked to somebody um, a morning and I brought up the Galatians 1. Yes. And he said that it's not a different gospel. So he was using the definition of the word gospel to say that I'm fine because it's not a different gospel. Yes. And I didn't know what to say. <laughs> well, 
Uh, then I think I wouldn't let him play with the term gospel. I'd say, well, is it the same gospel? If he says yes, I'd say, well, then let's just look at the gospel. If it's the same gospel, then we don't need anything of what you've got, and what you've got is not going to change anything. If it's the same gospel, let's just stick with the Bible. If it wasn't a different gospel, then why do they keep selling it and promoting it and teaching it and all that? So it's really a different one. And the idea of gospel is just the idea of the good news of salvation. Well, if, if the Book of Mormon has nothing to do with the good news of salvation, then we don't need it. So, you know, if, if somebody said, um, well, it's not a different gospel, this is a different sports score. Well, I have nothing to do with God or salvation, yeah. But, but as far as relating to God, the Bible's the only thing we need. If anything is different from what the Bible says in relationship to our relationship to God, then let it be accursed. Do you have some other thoughts on that? There's a lot of times people try to duck out of it. But, I mean, if it's different... You don't follow. Other thoughts? Wait, uh, right. I think it's cool to see at the, at the very end of 32, uh, just so they do not profit these people at all. So really, we get to see God's motivation, God's character is revealed to us here. And his motivation is, I want to help the people. Sure. And you guys aren't helping the people. How could they help the people if the message wasn't from God? That's exactly right. It's so cool to know that you know, that is really usually God's motivation. These are, this is his flock. He wants them to be well shepherded, shepherded with his words, with the truth. Other thoughts? Yes. Listen. So going back to the dream scene about how like you can't prove it was God. What are the people who say like God had me feel or pulled my heart to do this, like praying for people? I have a friend who um, once told me that one time she just felt this need to pray for this person. And then she found out the next day that he had been in the hospital sick or something. Like, how do you know if that's actually God doing that? Or how did, does God do that? <laughs> well, there's a lot of things we don't know about how God does things. I think the important thing is God never does something that contradicts himself. Now, if God, if, if I pray for somebody, is that something God wants me to do? Sure. Now, if it comes into my mind to pray for somebody, did God put it into my mind? Well, at least he did by teaching me to pray for each other, for other people. So he revealed that. Now, is there some other way that God caused me to think about somebody at that time? I don't know. But it's nothing different from what God has revealed as far as what I do. Now, if somebody says, God put it in my mind, you know, to tell a lie right then, because I really needed to tell a lie to help somebody. Now, wait a minute. That, that doesn't work. You know, that wasn't from God if it was telling me to tell a lie. But if it is what God revealed, then it's kind of like what Chris was saying. Well, okay, but it's still really just the Lord's message. I, I don't really have to have anything beyond that. And it's okay to give God the credit. Definitely. 
You know, God does help us and bless us. Praise God. Uh, by far the most essential thing is just thinking about, is this a message from God? Does this fit what the Bible says? If so, praise God, I thought about that person when they needed help. Now, it may be that there are people I think about and I pray for them and I never find out they needed something right then. Still doesn't hurt to pray for them. You know, that may be a blessing and maybe they needed something I never find out. Uh, so, other thoughts or questions? Well, how about 33 to 40? Now to this people or the prophet or a priest ask you, saying, What is the oracle of the Lord? Then you shall say to them, What oracle? The Lord declares, I will abandon you. Then as for the prophet or the priest or the people who say, The oracle of the Lord, I will bring punishment upon that man and his household. Thus will each of you say to his neighbor and to his brother, What is the Lord answered? Or what is the Lord spoken? For you will no longer remember the oracle of the Lord, because every man's own word will become the oracle, and you have perverted the words of the living God, the Lord of hosts, our God. Thus you will say to that prophet, What has the Lord answered you? And what has the Lord spoken? For if you say, The oracle of the Lord, surely thus says the Lord, because you said this word, the oracle of the Lord. I have also sent to you, saying, You shall not say the oracle of the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will surely forget you and cast you away from my presence, along with the city which I gave you and your fathers. I will put an everlasting reproach on you and on every and, and an everlasting humiliation which will not be forgotten. Bye. There's a couple things here. Clearly, they were using this phrase, oracle, in quotes, of the Lord, improperly for something the Lord had never revealed, just like they were doing with their dreams. They were trying to take things God didn't say and claim it came from God. Now, there is a debate about the term oracle. In my margin, in verse 33, or burden, and so throughout the chapter. The word oracle and burden were the same word in Hebrew. So there's a debate, should we translate this, the oracle of the Lord or the burden of the Lord? I think it's probably better to translate it burden. Now here's the deal. Sometimes this word burden was used when God gave a heavy word to a prophet to reveal in his name. Like a word of judgment. That was a burdensome word. That was a heavy message they had to lay on the people, we might say. And so I think he's saying, when somebody asks you, what's the burden of the Lord? Say, what burden? The Lord says, I'll abandon you. And, and, and uh, he says, you know, the man's own word will become the burden. I think he's saying, basically, you're asking me, where's the burden of the Lord? Where's the heavy message of the Lord? You're the burden. You're the heavy, you're the heavy object, and I'm going to throw you off because you're weighing me down because of your sins and your wickedness and you're falsely speaking in my name. God was just tired of carrying them and he was going to throw them out. So I think he's sort of making a play on this idea of the burden of the Lord as the, the message of God and also they were burdening him down with their sins. 
At any rate, he says, just take the expression or don't use it anymore. <laughs> you know, their people are abusing it. They're claiming the burden of the Lord when it's not my word at all. So just don't even use it. Just don't even say that anymore. You know, when, when somebody starts abusing a trademark so much, it's like, well, better just not even use it anymore. And so God's saying, you know, I don't even want the true prophets using the term burden of the Lord anymore because it's a, a phrase that's used so much by the false prophets, it's almost lost its meaning. So, uh, he says, they're causing the people to forget God's message. Verse 39, I will surely forget you and cast you away from my presence. God is going to punish them. But what you see in this whole section, unrighteous kings, because they were unjust. Unrighteous shepherds, because they were scattering God's flock. Unrighteous prophets, because they were preaching messages out of their own imagination and claiming that they were God's words. God is really uh, showing the wickedness of the leadership of his people. Comments and questions to this point. Captain. Malachi's version, uh, Malachi says, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, says the oracle of the Lord, and that would be after this time. So that's the true prophet still saying that. Where are you now? Uh, Malachi, chapter 1, verse okay. 1, mm -hmm. the oracle of the word of the Lord. Okay. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's never used, but in this context he's saying, just quit using it. Yeah. Not necessarily that the Lord would never use it again. Yeah, good point. Thank you for noticing that. Other questions or comments? Who's the you? <clears throat> like in verse 33, now when this people, the prophet of the prophet, asked you, is that Jeremiah? Uh, yes, I think so. I think this is God's message to Jeremiah. So when you're asked what's the burden of the Lord, say what burden, the Lord says I'll abandon you. Something like that. Mm -hmm. And then down in 35 it would be the people? Yes. When each of you says to his neighbor's brother, what does the Lord answer? What's the Lord? You will no longer remember the oracle of the Lord. So yeah, I would say that. Okay. 24 is a very short chapter, very clear, 